Welcome to Hit Subscribe, a podcast by Recharge designed to educate, inspire, and connect the subscription commerce space. Highlighting stories from subscription brands, top design and development agencies, e-commerce platforms, best-in-class technology vendors, and insider tips from the brightest minds at Recharge, Hit Subscribe is your place for subscription insights and best practices. On today's episode, we talk with Eli Weiss and Steven Vigilante from Olipop about why customer experience is the most important part of the journey, how to get creative with retention strategies, and their use of SMS to support growth. So let's dive in. Steven and Eli, thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for having us. Give us a quick intro on yourselves. I'll start. Um, my name is Eli Weiss. Um, I'm director of customer experience at Olipop. Um, I also help on retention and SMS marketing. Um, spent the last couple of years in, in uh, small DSC startups, and that's kind of a little bit about me. I am Steve Vigilante. I'm head of um, growth marketing here at Olipop, so acquisition um, and just kind of helping grow the pie. Uh, I've been in the consumer space for the last seven, eight years. I started out in investment banking and then worked um, at a venture capital fund focused on primarily CPG startups uh, and then wanted to try my hand as an operator, um, moved to LA from San Francisco, worked at a startup that ended up going under and then um, met David and Ben, the founders of Olipop, kind of pre-launch um, and I've been with them uh, since since the beginning. <laughs> those stories of uh, failed startups are always interesting. I'm sure we could do an entire episode on those. I got some of my own as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's good. It, it's, you apply those learnings and move forward. And exactly. Part of, part of this, the magic of Olipop, there's a lot of failures that set the, set the groundwork for it. Seems like that's going to be a running theme today. So, so let's hop into it. Why don't you give us a bit of background on Olipop? Yeah, so I'll take that one. Olipop is, um, we call it a new kind of soda. It's kind of sits in this triangle between kombucha, sparkling water, um, and like full sugar sodas, where it's uh, a product that looks and tastes just like a soda, time fiber. So you have nine grams of digestive fiber in each can. There's kind of a whole digestive health side of Olipop. Um, and low in calories, low in sugar, you know, 35 calories, two to Four, you know, two to five grams of sugar uh, per can. And um, our whole thing is like, it's it's a soda, first and foremost. It's, it's not a sparkling water, it's not a kombucha. And um, we're sold, launched about three years ago in, in California and now sold in about 5,000 stores across the country, Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, uh, some regional grocery stores like Wegmans. Um, and then, you know, a, a kind of small but fast growing uh, online business that we launched about a year and a half. Uh, into the business. <clears throat> Very cool. So I know that there's there's a handful of things that Olipop really stands for as a, as a business, as a brand, kind of like what your ethos is. Um, you want to dig into to some of that a little bit? Yeah. Um, Olipop was started as a brand that was, we were trying to drive a really, a really different and more human side to, to this whole space. Um, you know, thinking about being more intentional about both the the beverages people drink and, and about we how much we care uh, about customers. So I think that there's, from my end on customer experience, you know, I've, I've worked with quite a few brands and I, I think there hasn't been any brand that kind of grasped um, the, the, the massive amount of, of, of growth and longevity as a brand when you care deeply about customers. Um, we're pretty straightforward um, about, you know, kind of what, taking care of your mental health looks like. And it's something we focus on as a brand a, a lot as well. Um, yeah. 
So customer experience is kind of a, a the first piece of, of uh, content I want to jump into here. So one of the, the things that we talked about prepping for this call was meeting customers where they are, as opposed to forcing them to kind of come meet you where you are as a brand. How does that play into your kind of acquisition strategy and how you interact with customers? Um, yeah, I mean, Stephen can, can follow up after this more on the acquisition side of things. But what, what we think about a lot is, you know, brands always have a vision for what their customers should be doing and how they should be doing it. Um, and, and something we think about a lot, a lot about uh, at Olipop is like, we try to let the customers lead the way um, and, and try to keep things as flexible and, and as, as easy as possible. Um, and, and customer experience for us is, is kind of very intertwined with retention for that matter um, because of that is, is we see that experience really leads the way and providing a fantastic experience for a customer is what essentially leads to people promote the brand and stick around long-term. So, so we're kind of day one um, on experience, you know, our first vision was how do we create the most seamless and flexible experience for customers? And, you know, talking about subscription, which is now a pretty sizable part of our business. When we were thinking through it, you know, our entire framework was, you know, we, Stephen and I chat about this very early on uh, last year in, in, in June, we had a conversation of, you know, what would we want? Like, what's our dream subscription and what are things that, that are just extremely wonky in the world of subscriptions? You know, in the night, in the eighties and nineties subscription was like, you know, you signed up and, and you got stuck in it and you had no way of leaving. So that's like a, a huge one for us is like, how can we create this you know, on a brand side, we think about MRR and we think about that, that gold, you know, monthly recurring revenue, but then on a customer side is like, how do we make that kind of like you made this decision to be super close to a brand. How do you gain out of it other than just this, you know, this discount, like how do we remove any possible friction that once you're, you're in love with a brand, you want to get closer and you don't want to feel like you're, you're going to be kind of just somehow screwed. Um, and that's been our, our biggest focus on, on CX as far as retention. And Stephen, if you want to add anything on, on CX and, and, or just customer insight on, on acquisition, how we think about that. Yeah, in terms of meeting people where they are, we're, we're really trying to disrupt soda. We're not like necessarily trying to be this like super premium wellness product. Um, we want people, you know, we want to bring people into the kind of wellness space who maybe still drink soda, still drink diet soda. And, you know, we do that with based on who our retail partners are. We do that based on our ingredients. Like Olipop is not an organic product. If we were organic and sourcing organic, you know, things like organic cinnamon, organic vanilla, we'd be a $5 soda. Uh, right now in retail, we're typically at two forty nine. dollars We promote down to two for four, which is like, arguably very accessible, um, you know, much more so than maybe kombuchas, which tend to be four or five dollars. Um, and so we made that conscious decision from day one because we wanted to meet people where they are and know that many people are drinking soda for cost reasons. And the only way you're going to get them out of that is if you have something that's closer in comparison from a cost perspective. And we've made decisions from the e-commerce perspective that have impacted this too. We just launched on Amazon. We weren't there for, you know, the last two and a half years, but the reality is 40% of you know, internet shopping starts on Amazon and, you know, we have to have this, I know a very obvious thesis that we were missing out on a whole pool of consumers who only shop on Amazon. If you're not on Amazon, you don't exist. Um, and so we're kind of constantly thinking and evaluating, like, how do we meet people where they are and not shame them for what they're doing. Right. It's like, it's okay to drink soda or have a candy bar. Like that's, that's fine, but maybe there's a better way to drink a soda that's, that's not quite so bad for you. And that's sort of where, where we come in. 
it kind of seems like that's the blueprint for disruption. You, you guys were use the word, you know, disrupt the, the beverage industry earlier. That kind of seems like the blueprint. If you can't come in and be the bull in the China shop and break a bunch of stuff everywhere and hope that everyone just follows you, like you kind of have to go one-to-one to meet people and go talk to people and figure out, you know, where are you? What's your soda journey like? What are you looking for? What are these things that kind of matter to them? It seems like, it seems like that's kind of the route you guys took. I think, I think the interesting, the interesting point on that is that we, to Stephen's point, we see that every day. Like so many of our customers will have a couple of cans of soda, you know, throughout the week and then, and then have an Olipop or two. And, and our mission is to, is to bring a really, really, you know, fun and fizzy alternative to what people are drinking that might not necessarily be the best lifelong decision. Um, and our, and our, you know, kind of our core thesis is like, we're not looking to shame people, you know, for what they're drinking. We're looking to create an alternative so that when people are are ready to look for something different, um, they they kind of find us. And I, I think that the, you know, the 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 bigger picture thing is is when you pay for for a can of soda, you know, you're essentially paying for 39 grams of sugar and a couple, uh, you know, a large dose of, of you know phosphoric acid. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the beverages, you know, people can go to Starbucks and, and spend six fifty on a Frappuccino. Our vision really is, is to create, you know, if, if someone's not about having an Olipop twice a day, you know, it can be a really enjoyable beverage they have on a weekend, but um, accessibility and, and kind of meeting people where they're at has been like a, a day one for us. And if you look at the brands that have built real scale in the last five years in the food beverage world, you're looking at like smart sweets and candy you know, buns is done some pasta, simple meals with crackers. They're innovating on products that people inherently are obsessed with, right? And they know they shouldn't be eating, but they want a better, you know, a better mousetrap. See, they did this in chips. And those are sort of the brands that we try to emulate. Like we're not, I almost don't think of us as like, I think we're kind of like pioneering a new category of beverage, which is better for you soda. Um, and, you know, we look at Beyond Meat as another one, right? A, a, a products that are not really sacrificing on, on taste as much and are, are giving people what they want and just letting them feel better about it. And that's sort of the approach that we're, we're taking with, with soda. A fun, yeah. A fun thing we think about often is, you know, most of soda advertising and soda history is, is around indulgence and around, you know, having the ability to kind of go off and, and really enjoy a beverage. Um, and that's something we think about all the time, as far as like both on, on experience and, and brand strategies, like how can we bring the, those enjoyable moments and that same indulgence is like when you drink it, it it's a full, you know, full body taste and, and a delicious, you know, you're, you're still getting that sweetness you would get from a soda. It's just a less unhealthy and, and on the flip side, you know, digestive health with our nine grams of fiber and, and plant botanicals and all that other fun stuff. Um, it's something that feels... You drink and you feel good, both about the flavor and, and about what you're putting inside your body. You should get a nine grams of fiber tattoo somewhere on your body. I think so. Yeah, I was going to say, you're assuming I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's an interesting point, though, because from a consumer perspective, you know, there, there's always like, you know, the, the Coca-Cola's, the Pepsi's, whatever, the stuff that you know is inherently bad for you, but it's delicious. So when people try to come disrupt those industries it's one of two things you usually see. It's either a direct competitor where you just say, Hey, it's, you know, the same flavor, but it's still a ton of sugar, whatever it is, or you go complete opposite and you go, you know, it's zero calorie. It's perfect for you. It's phenomenal. You should drink this every day. And they usually lack the flavor or there's some sort of trade-off there. So this seems like, again, kind of a blueprint of how, how to disrupt. You kind of pick somewhere in the middle and you create a different product rather than just a competitor product. Yeah. I, I echo those sentiments and, 
um, drawing back one more analogy, like there was a, a kind of a kale chip craze like five years ago, and right, you don't really see kale chips anywhere anymore because they were too expensive, and they didn't they didn't meet people where they are, right? Like a Doritos customer is not going to pay four times the price for something that tastes ten percent as good, um, and that's just the reality. And so for us, like we almost really feel like we're competing more so with like sparkling water and, and diet soda than anything else. It's people who want the effervescence, they want the bubbles. You know, it's less boring than just regular water. Um, but they're also not necessarily drinking the 40 gram of sugar Coca-Cola either. They're like want, uh, wanting a healthier alternative that also tastes good. Um, and that's truly where, where we come in. And we kind of make the argument like, yes, diet soda is zero calories, zero sugar. It's also full of aspartame, which is 200 times sweeter than sugar and plays all sorts of funky tricks with your gut and your brain. Um, and, you know, it's full of, you know, the artificial flavors and things. There's plenty of other issues with, with zero sugar, zero calorie diet sodas. And we kind of pride ourselves on natural plant-based ingredients. We use a very unrefined uh, plant-based version of stevia as our sweetener. Um, and, you know, we kind of come in at 30 to 50 good nutritious calories that come from primarily you know fiber and a little bit of, of sugar and so we're our kind of argument is like yes zero sugar zero calories is what it is but there's also plenty of bad stuff with that versus with an olipop you're getting true nutritional value um with those 30 or 40 calories so you've talked a little bit about kind of the philosophy and the ethos behind this it feels like that's kind of the, the marketing as well i've seen some of the ads and, and they're all super creative they're all really great to look at Where's the balance between kind of removing this friction and kind of letting everybody come to you versus going the other way and focusing on the benefits and focusing on, hey, here's why you should do this or you should drink this because or here's an alternative and kind of attacking it. Where's that balance between the two? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, we don't actually generally lead with the health benefits from a marketing perspective. We've found that maybe 10 or 15% of, of our consumers really care about the digestive health benefits and they're generally buying it because it's cute and it tastes good. And it's funny as a marketer, we have, you know, you spend so much time and effort crafting all sorts of different messages and different copy and, you know, 80% of marketing gets ignored anyway. And so our, you know, we're kind of kind of gonna keep telling this message and keep, you know, pushing kind of the, the digestive health benefits. But the reality is it's it's cute packaging and it tastes good. And we've got a great community. And and I think what we've built there is really, you know, on top of the formulation and the, the fact that the product is great, is we have a, a very, very tight-knit community around the product um, that like pulls people in and keeps them in and keeps them feeling like part of the family. Yeah. And on, on top of that, I'd add um, that I, I think a lot of brands, what they do is the second you look at their site, you're just immediately bored by the amount of data they're throwing at you. And and most customers, not necessarily Olipop customers, most customers are kind of buying on a, on a very specific hype, um, you know, whether they heard about it from a friend or saw from their favorite influencer. And when they get onto your site, they're, they're not necessarily looking to be bombarded. They want to know that there's a place they can go to learn about it. Something we focus on at Olipop is, you know, we try to think when, when does a customer get to a stage where we can imagine they probably want to know more about the science uh, behind the product. I got a deeper dive on like, what is the microbiome? Why should you have this much fiber, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and for us, it's, you know, we think through a lot of education on, on, you know, repeat purchasers or, you know, specifically subscribers, we have a unique um, subscription flow that goes out to subscribers kind of like holding their hand through their journey as a subscriber with Olipop where, you know, on order number one, you learn about what is this and order number two, you're learning about why was this created? And when you get to number three, we're like, okay, maybe try a different flavor. 
And then for number four, five, six, seven, eight, and on, you're learning much more about the science behind the product. So when people choose to be as close to our product as, as a subscription community is, and they choose to kind of be dedicated to our brand, now we have this, you know, probably six to 10 months that we can educate them. How do we kind of bring them even closer? So by the time they hit, you know, we think of like, what do we want them to know after being with us for 10 months? And then how can we reverse engineer it that, you know, we kind of keep them in this, in this uh, learning pattern that by the time they're here for 10 months, they probably know more about fiber than, than I do. Um, and then kind of, you know, they turn into our, you know, brand promoters. And when somebody says, why, why Olipop, they can explain what, you know, having this kind of fiber does to your, to your gut health and microbiome. So that's kind of like our, our vision on the education component. And they could just show them the nine grams of fiber tattoo and then everyone is that's order, yeah, that's order 11. <laughs> that's, that's number 11. <laughs> um, you're, you're kind of approaching this exactly where I was going to go next, which is kind of like a little bit of cautious optimism. You're, you're not shoving this in everyone's face. You're just kind of assuming that, you know, you dip your toe in first, you get your first order, then maybe you put your foot in, you kind of see what temperature it is. And over the course of time, then you can start to really provide some information and try to lock down subscribers here. But um, what's, what are more ways that you kind of make this, the subscription experience super seamless? Cause I know that's kind of yeah. your MO. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something we talk about all the time. And back to what I mentioned earlier, like when, when we were chatting about this in, in June of last year, we were talking about like, what, what do we absolutely hate, um, that, that brands do with subscriptions. And, and one thing that came up day one was like, every brand sends you that email three days before you, you get your next order, but it always ends up in spam. And most of the time you miss it and you're like, Oh no. And then it ends up at your door and you're on vacation. You come back, you have seven boxes. So how can we really make sure that you're alerted, but also give an action for you that you can make uh, easy swaps and, and skips. And Steven came across a, a brand. Um, it was pretty early on called electric SMS. Um, that's now been transitioned into recharge where they were offering this, this element of we can shoot you a text three days before your order and let you know, Hey, we're packing your orange squeeze. You can now respond with, you know, skip you swap or, you know, number one, two, three to make any changes. And, and, and on our end, we've seen that 70% or over 70% of our current active subscribers over the last 90 days have swapped, skipped, or canceled and, and came back, but done modifications on their subscription. Um, and for us, it's a no brainer where in order to keep people long-term flexibility is the first thing to insert after you've removed friction. Um, and that's kind of been a, a huge game changer for us. So those SMSs that get to you, you have the ability to swap a flavor. We're always pushing people to swap flavors because our dream is for somebody to find their forever, we call it their forever flavor um, in the first 30 to 60 days. And it's honestly on acquisition, Stephen can talk to this about, about you know, our variety pack, but um, it's been for us, like if, if you find your go-to forever flavor in the first 60 days, we have a, a massive um, leg up on on making sure you're here and happy as a customer. We get, uh, Eli and I both get the like, you know, kind of pick your brain messages a lot about like how we've gone you know, zero to almost 6,000 subscribers in less than a year. Um, and I wouldn't say there was any magic to it other than like very good product, frictionless process, great CX team, um, treat CX as a marketing channel, not as, you know, not just always playing defense. Um, and then a we have a landing page on the site that kind of outlines the fact that we text you, the fact that you're, you know, no questions asked, no questions asked and canceled anytime. 
Um, we don't really even run ads or push it with influencers. We, we, we've tried that. It actually doesn't work very well. Um, we just, the way we've kind of optimized our, our PDPs and um, like we make it really easy. And I think that's, that's kind of the magic to it. There's no like big, you know, we haven't had any big win from a marketing perspective against it. It's just kind of grown organically. And, you know, we're very lucky. We've been very high. People really like the product. And I think that you can't fake that. I, yeah, I think the one thing I'd add is that We've seen, we've come across brands um, who you'll sign up for a subscription and they'll kind of set you up that you have to stay for X amount of time or like this, pro and, and they'll come up with creative, like this product is not meant to buy as a single. If you don't buy it 12 times, it's not counted and all this logic. And for us, we see a massive percentage of people that will leave and come back in a few months just because they were blown away as to how simple it was to go. And when they go, it's, it's, it's just, thank you so much for being with us. Um, and let us know if you have any, if you have any feedback, um, and just creating, you know, brands, one of the brands that, that, that I'm tremendously inspired about, and we talk about often is Chewy, um, the, the, the pet food company and, and something they do is, you know, if, if your pet, um, passes away, they, they will send you a bouquet of flowers and you think about it as, as a, as a brand, you're like, that's the end of the customer life cycle. But, but Chewy has a much longer vision than most do. And they're like, whether or not you eventually get another pet or you tell your friends about it, that's like a moment that will, you know, kind of keep you in love with the brand forever. And we've been inspired by a lot of that on our side where like, you know, creating moments, it's something that, that I talk about and read about often. It's like, how can you create brand moments for customers? And, and sometimes it can cost $50, but it creates a moment that, that keeps people for a while. Um, something that we've had, you know, on, on our side, we had somebody a couple of months ago that was a subscriber and reached out to cancel. And, and we found out that the reason why she was canceling is her mom was in, was in hospice care and would drink this root beer every day. And it was like the, the happiest time of her day. And she was, you know, her mom passed away a week ago and she was calling to cancel her subscription. And, and for us, like, you know, obviously that, that's, that's a pretty sad story, but it also kind of gave us like the fact that this it was a beverage that brought someone joy every day was, was something that touched us tremendously, you know, in a, in a situation at a time that you can't eat a lot of this unhealthy stuff and you can kind of have that same nostalgia around the root beer that you did years before. Um, and we sent her like a, 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 you know, a bouquet of flowers with a, with a card and she's been part of our, our family ever since. But for us, it's like, you know, these, these moments aren't something that, we went to school for um, it's us genuinely caring uh, deeply and 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 hiring a team of people that genuinely care deeply and 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 aren't looking to you know do anything game changing other than really really caring um, and making moments for customers. So every time you know a customer reaches out to our brand or or engages with our brand, whether or not they love the product or completely hate it. Um, our goal is for them to just have a fantastic experience with, with the brand. There's so much to unpack there. And I was letting you guys go because that's all fantastic stuff. Um, but I wanted to get on retention a little bit because um, I, I think what I'm pulling from all of this is that the, the experience, the customer experience is not linear. It's not, you know, you start and you subscribe and then you're, you know, either a customer for a lifetime or you quit after one month. There's a lot of paths. There's a lot of twists and turns. There's a lot of different ins and outs of how this thing works. And even if someone quits and even if someone cancels, 
you make it easy to come back because they may talk to their family, or they may talk to friends, or they may put it on social media, or they may just want to come back themselves. But leaving those pathways open, and again, tying this all back to the beginning, is meeting someone where they are. You know, putting restrictions on them to have them come back to buy a product from you in your way on your terms doesn't seem like it makes any sense. But that's kind of how the standard works right now. Like that's how a lot of brands are doing right now. Yeah, I think that the the kind of unique thing about Olipop's view on retention is. 95% of the brands view retention as a as you know a part of the marketing team where a customer leaves and then we're taken to task to how do we get them back? And it's usually a, a, a massive amount of of really annoying emails and the discount goes up and up and up. Um, whereas our theory at Olipop was keeping customers there is probably closest to the people that interact with the customers, which is our CX team. So how can we continuously use data um, to keep on top of it and understand and catch things and keep a really tight feedback loop? And, and I think most, most of retention is spoken about in the terms of, of touch points and, and, you know, and, and customer journeys. And, and the thing that we miss um, on a broader term is that there's no one customer journey. Some customers, their journey ends when they cancel and other customers will cancel and come back nine times in a customer lifetime. And some people feel like, you know, we have this all the time where somebody signs up for a subscription, cancels on that same day. For most brands, that would trigger them tremendously. They'd see 100 people signed up and cancel the same day throughout a month. And those same day cancels can eat at your brain. But if you have faith in your product and you have faith in your shipping delivery site experience and your customer experience, if they love the product, they have two options. Either they can buy back again at full price or they can hop right back into that subscription. So we, we don't get it twisted on that. Um, and we, we, we really do view, you know, we obviously have our, you know, our win back emails and, and we, we play a fair game like everyone else does in terms of like life cycle marketing and all that other fun stuff. But when it comes to viewing customers as a single entity and, and these are all people and every person has like some, some, someone might cancel because they lost their job and three weeks later they get a new job. And we hope that the first subscription they hop back on is Olipop and not Spotify. Um, so I think that's another thing is, is we think about often is, you know, we are competing with every, we're not competing with everything, not, we're not just competing with everything in your fridge, we're competing with any subscription you have. So if somebody's paying monthly for, for their Apple Music or their Spotify or their Netflix or everything else, when, when you start thinking, oh, wow, I have a lot of recurring subscriptions, I should probably kind of, you know, every six months, everyone has that, like, I should probably pull this back because this is like $200 a month. Um, and we hope that we're not the first to go. Um, and that's kind of like our vision is just continuously learning on, on customer journey. Like we admittedly, when, when I started, I thought if somebody cancels their subscription, it's over. Like we can try to win them back, but they clearly don't like the product. And, and eventually you learn that there's a thousand reasons why people can cancel and just continuously meeting them with grace and, and understanding is, is generally a long-term win. And if it's not a win for, for us, as you know, as having them as our customer, it's a win because they tell 20 other people, like, I thought this brand was fantastic. And maybe I didn't 100% love their strawberry vanilla, but the experience was awesome. And if you try it and you love it, check out their subscription. And, and we know that that's been a word of mouth has been pretty massive for us as a brand um, over the last year. This episode is brought to you by the State of Subscription Commerce Report. 2020 came with many challenges, but also many opportunities. This year's report illuminates the boom in e-commerce in 2020 
and provides valuable insights and takeaways for subscription merchants. Download the report at rechargepayments.com slash annual report. So the point you bring up about discounts is super interesting. And that's something that, that I've always thought about is if you discount a subscription and people buy it the first time and cancel right away, initially for a brand that kind of triggers them a little bit and makes them think like, okay, they just wanted the discount on here. But as a brand, you're you're clearly open to offering yeah. that discount on month two and month three and month four, because that's the nature of a subscription. It keeps going. So why be frustrated if they cancel after month one and they come back month five? It's the same price point there. You know, they're just... They're just, they're going to come back eventually. They just may just need some time there. So part of it may just be uneducation about the subscription, but it's always surprised me that like, it seems like that's a great way to go is, Hey, you got a subscriber initially they canceled. You just do a little bit of marketing. They'll end up coming back if they like the product. I think marketers love numbers and marketers love things that they can track. Um, and the, the, the golden kind of MRR, like you see that MRR goes from like 10K to 50K to 100K to 200K. And the second you kind of lose control and your MRR goes down, you're like, what do I do? And we just automatically start discounting. But if you if you have faith in your product and you think that the discount you're offering, I think we've learned, and Stephen can talk more about this, we've learned that discounting as a brand, you know, all over the place is not is not helpful for, for long-term customer relationships because then you just train your customers to continuously purchase at a discounted price. So we try to think of like, how can we marry this, you know, on brand side, like this glorious MRR with, with a way for customers to win all different ways as well. So, you know, we think about subscription, it's not just the discount, it started as just the discount. Now we're thinking, you know, early access to new flavors and, you know, this kind of like unique email that we, that we prioritize, you know, customer support and, and just thinking through like these events that we plan on creating, like all this kind of community around the subscription. Um, and that's kind of our, our, our theory around, around subscription, create a, a product um, that's glorious enough that we don't have to constantly worry about people leaving. Um, yeah. Definitely. So, so one final topic here, uh, you mentioned upfront talking SMS. Um, you know, you guys use electric SMS, which was just acquired by recharge, um, which is now recharge SMS. Talk about how you guys are kind of, leading the charge there and for, for SMS for brands, um, how does it tie into your overall mission? How does it tie into this idea of like conversational commerce instead of just transactional? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. It's become very interesting for us. And we've mentioned this a few times, but Eli and I was like, one of the first things we ever talked about was like, how can we use SMS to make like the entire experience with us better, not necessarily to sell more products. Um, I think because we've taken that approach from day one and we were actually, were the, I, believe, I believe we were the first beverage brand on electric SMS, which like I just felt was personally solving an issue in my life. It was like, crap, I forgot I had that subscription and now the thing is here and now I got to go figure out my password to, to cancel it. Um, so that was like step one was where we began to use SMS a year ago and then we launched with Postscript um, kind of two months later. And it's funny, we, we probably took a, th- a solid three months like internally planning for launching with Postscript because we intentionally did not want it to look and feel like, you know, 95% of other brands that just use it as, you know, a one-to-many um, spam engine effectively. And we wanted to really use it to, again, engage uh, on a human level with our customer. And um, so we, again, we've used it to release products. Um, our, we, you know, the people on our checklist got new products before everybody else, which was felt really novel in August of last year. It's now becoming a bit more commonplace, but um, we, we also use it to, you know, ask questions, ask people how they're doing. Um, we don't always have a call to action on our text, which I think some people think is crazy, but 
we've had techs that didn't have a CTA that performed better than techs with a discount. So it it kind of just goes to show people are are very aware and um, I guess woke to the uh, the nature that SMS has gone down, and we're trying to like look and feel exactly opposite of that. So funny. That's you. Uh, you mentioned marketers love to track things, and we love numbers and all those things. It's SMS messages without a CTA perform better than SMS messages with a discount. That makes no sense, and that's not trackable. And there are no numbers there that make any kind of any kind of logic. But another one more slide we can throw at you. Um, when we we launched a flavor in December on SMS, um, we had about I think fifty percent of the texts were were red, which feels a little low for SMS, but 50% of the texts that were red converted. Um, and you know, when you're talking in the thousands, um, it, that's a pretty insane stat. It's, it's statistically significant. That, that's not like it's going out to 10 people. Um, and you know, that any marketer will tell you a 50% conversion rate on opens is out of, you know, unheard of. Um, and you know, we're launching a new flavor middle of April. We're going to run the same playbook and we'll see what happens, but it's, it's worked really well. And, um, you know, I, we have a, we're in a very rare position where all of our flavors look and taste very different. And so we're able to kind of build, um, build hype around them. And then the beautiful part, and we didn't quite get into this is we're, we're still at 60%, kind of 60, 40 retail e-commerce business. So we launch a flavor and then, you know, lo and behold, a month later, it shows up, you know, at a national grocery store and there's been, you know, thousands of dollars and time and effort spent pushing it online. And then, oh, by the way, now you can go in your, your favorite grocery store and pick it up. And, you know, for the last 50 years of the beverage industry, that was never, really possible with any scale just because um you know beverage e-commerce really was underpenetrated um until last you know spring it's definitely spiking as of now yeah. yeah so let's let's do a little bit of wrap up and do some some rapid fire questions so what is a piece of advice you give to brands who are just starting out um i would i would say that you know be pretty intentional with the messaging you put out i think brands often early on just get caught up in the like I have to hit this amount of sales in this amount of time and they choose short term um instead of a long term um and I think that that's something we see you know talking about SMS like it's something we see every day uh the the long term games keep our list active and keep people interested versus a quick a quick buck I tell any early stage founder that I talk to um hire a graphic designer as quickly as you can I think being able to Turn out creative in-house. Um, it will save you time and money in the long term. And um, it took us six months to figure that out. We were we were running static image ads for six months last year before we brought a designer on to help. And it, you know, the level of content and the output is they have to be a paid ad specific designer. But I think that's something I wish I knew a, a year ago when we launched online. That's a sneaky good one. That's one that not a lot of people think about. She's amazing. Right. Shout out to Amanda. She's like absolutely incredible. And it's super fun because I'm the one who gets to, you know, I get to scroll on Instagram and find cool ads and then oh, yeah. you know, pull, pull pieces of here from here and there. And um, we're constantly, it's, it's hard, right? You're kind of, you need to turn out when you're spending significant cash on Facebook, you need to be churning out new creative every, you know, 10 to 14 days, which is not easy. <laughs> right. A lot of agency time. All right, flip the script. What's a piece of advice you'd give for a brand who is already exists, but is trying to kind of scale and take that next step? I think something I read um, a couple of days ago on Twitter was that, you know, brand, I think I think about this a lot as well, is that when you get to that kind of scale, you start thinking about 
using customers or getting customers into this, into the scheme of things that they're ready to promote your brand instead of, you know, doing these kind of, kind of piggybacking to what I just said myself a second ago um, about, you know, choosing a long-term instead of a, a short-term um, after a certain period of time, you know, your podcast network of ads just kind of, you just kind of reach, reach a bottleneck. So right. if you're looking to get from a million to 20, it's, it's probably not about media buying and more about really doubling down to your current customers because you're, if you're doing a million dollars a year, you definitely got quite a few of those. Uh, my advice without being too specific is that influencer marketing is not dead. It still works very well if you, if you know how to do it correctly. All right. Nebulous, <laughs> but I like it. <laughs> Last but I, thought, I would have thought a year. I thought if you had asked this question one year ago, I would have said influencer marketing is, is completely oversaturated and doesn't work. And I was completely proven wrong. Interesting. All right, time to do some deep digging. A whole other pop social. (laughs) (laughs) Last but not least, what do you subscribe to? Uh, I'm. We're both kind (laughs) of. We're both deep, I guess, in the space. Um, But Jot Coffee, I drink Jot every single day. I love it. I love Eight Greens, um, which is like a greens tablet that goes into water and makes the you know no mess green juice. I got both them on. I got both of the brands on Electric SMS so that I could use it. And then uh, Ritual, Ritual Vitamins. I'm also a subscriber. And Olipop, of course. Of course. So I have an interesting answer. Um, I am subscribed to Netflix and Olipop at the moment. <laughs> I'm pretty lean. I'm pretty lean on subscriptions. I'm a recent Hulu convert, actually. Hulu's pretty good. Well, we have to talk about that off, <laughs> off chat. So it sounds like an interesting take. We'll tear down. We'll do something else. <laughs> Stephen and Eli, thank you both for joining us. Really appreciate having you here. This has been a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Jake. We'd like to thank Eli and Stephen for joining us. If you're interested in Olipop, you can head over to drinkolipop.com. If you're looking for more of our episodes, check us out at rechargepayments.com slash hit subscribe. And to get the latest episodes, remember to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening from. 